Have you ever wondered how God works? Have you ever wondered how, how, he, how he gets things done? How, have you ever wondered how he, how he acts and, and is present in your life? Have you ever wondered how he shows his, his love for you? And sure, we all know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but, but here and now, how does he express his love for you? I think it's a question we, we find ourselves thinking about every, every now and then. And it's a, it's a question we ask, and there's a lot of people who have sought and given a lot of different answers. Uh, there are some who, who would say, well, well, you need to be able to feel God to know that he is working. What does that look like? Well, I, I'm talking about those, those fuzzy feelings you get in worship when you sing that chord progression that just, that just tugs on your emotions. Or maybe it's, it's like a national youth gathering where you're with 25,000 youth singing at the top of your lungs and it's this, this mountaintop experience. Or maybe... I know a few of you have gone to Alaska, which I'm finding out this morning. Maybe it's, it's gazing upon his, his beautiful creation. Or maybe, maybe some would say you've got to look for God in some unorthodox, maybe even strange ways to find him working. Uh, maybe, maybe it's, it's seeking God through, through dreams. Or maybe it's looking up at the stars and trying to see within them some hidden message. Maybe, maybe it's through looking at your palm and, and reading the different lines that have been, been marked upon your hands. Or maybe, maybe you look for God in undisputable signs. Uh, different things that happen in your life that, that point to the work of a creator. May, maybe, maybe you even look to to supernatural things, truth tellers and, and mind readers and, and mediums and, and, and maybe, maybe you seek the guy on TV who is a self-proclaimed prophet who has a direct connection to the Almighty. But I think when this question is, is most prevalent is when you're wondering how God loves you. How does God love you? More, 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 more probably personal, how do I know God loves me? See, maybe you ask this in times when, when life has gone a little bit off track. It hasn't gone as you have planned, and you're kind of down in the dumps, and you sit there and you wonder if God really loves you. Maybe it's when grief strikes really close to home and it kind of cuts you to the core or maybe death comes knocking at your door and you sit and you wonder, does God really love me? So maybe it's after a, a loved one loses their life. And, and even though you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed some more, you said all of the things you were taught in Sunday school, and yet this person you love could not beat the cancer, and there you sit and you wonder, God, do you really love me? Or maybe, maybe it's that secret. 
you, you know the secret, the one you've kept inside for, for how many years, the one that you still bring up in the back of your mind in the middle of the night when you can't sleep, that secret that is just, just still there. And you wonder, how could God really love me? Maybe, may, maybe you've actually even played the game with God, and, and the game is the one you know I'm talking about. It's, it's where you kind of make a deal. God, I, I will do this if you only show me that you love me. And you waited, and you waited, and you waited, and, and nothing happened. How does God work? See, today in our gospel reading, we have this encounter with Jesus, one of the most famous miracles that he has ever performed. See, and if you're not familiar with it, here's a little bit how it goes. Jesus had received some bad news about his, his cousin, John the Baptist. He was killed by Herod. He was beheaded. And, and so he goes off to a solitary place to, to just grieve and to pray and to, to kind of re-energize and recoup. But, but Jesus, as one who very, very rarely gets time to himself, of course, people follow him to where he goes. And, and, and he sees these people, and, and even though it doesn't seem he wants to be around anyone, he sees them, and he has compassion upon them. And so, and so he goes to all of these people, and they're, they're bringing with them their sick, and he begins to heal them. And he does this late into the night, even so late where his disciples are like, Jesus, Jesus, have you seen what time it is? <laughs> it, it's a kind of getting close to dinner time. Why don't you send these people away? Because they have to be hungry. And Jesus looks at his disciples upon this urging to send them away, and, and he says, well, no, let's not send them away. How about you, dear disciples, you go and feed them. And the disciples look at Jesus, I can imagine, with some kind of confused look in their eye at Jesus, because they're like, look, we have, we have five loaves of bread, two fish, and two starbursts. <laughs> How can we feed 5,000 people plus their wives and children with just this? And so Jesus looks at them, and he decides to take matters into his own hands. He says, bring me the food. And he holds it up, and he blesses the loaves. He blesses the fish. And then he says, okay, disciples, gather around. I want you to start to bring this food to all of those people. And he starts handing it out to them. And he hands it out. And he keeps handing it out, and, and more comes, and more comes, and more comes, until every single person that has gathered to that place has eaten, but not only eaten a little bit, they have eaten, and they were satisfied. And then even after all of that, there, there were leftovers, 12 baskets full, so not just some crumbs, but a substantial, substantial Thanksgiving nap-inducing second lunch feast. See, this is a glimpse in how God works. See, here I want to focus on two parts of this gospel reading. Two, two ways in which we see God working. The first way I want you guys to remember this morning is that God works through his word. 
God works through his word. Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he speaks his words of power over it, and and then he brings about the blessings he has to give. And now the second part I want us to hear, the second way Jesus works, the way God works, is through means. Now, Now what do I mean when I say means? Well, God works through physical things. Not only did Jesus speak his word, but then he called his disciples over to bring the blessings about to the people. See, God works through two things. His word and his means. And now we know this because the scriptures point us to this conclusion. So so if you'll go with me a little bit here, uh, we'll fast forward to the last chapter in Matthew, Matthew 28, where Jesus has gathered his disciples there on the mountaintop before he ascends. He gives his disciples his last words and commands. He says, go now, therefore, and make disciples of all nations by doing what? By baptizing and teaching them everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So how are we supposed to go and make disciples? By doing what? By baptizing and teaching. And so this asks us the question, well, well, if this is how God is going to work, what is baptism? Well, baptism is such a beautiful thing. We've had this great joy of baptizing five people in the last three weekends, and we have seen God at work here in the font of holy baptism, where, where we bring someone to this font where they receive God's word and water. They receive two things, God's word and the means by which he brings about his promise. And so now we need to you know, rewind a little bit to go to another place we see this in the scriptures. Before Jesus was crucified on the night in which he was betrayed in that upper room there, he took bread, he took wine, he said, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. There in that last supper, Jesus takes his word and means. His word and a physical thing that brings about his blessing. See, in your baptism, all of you received a promise. You received a promise that you have been saved of your sins, that you now bear God's name, and with his name you get all of his benefits. You get forgiveness, life, and salvation. All of that belongs to you. And when you come to this rail at the Lord's Supper, you not only meet Jesus in body and blood, but he gives it to you so that you know that your sins are forgiven. And this feast, it strengthens you in in your faith and your body and your soul. See, See, this is how God works. Through his word and through his means. Now, I know none of these are extravagant. None of these are lightning bolts striking you, kind of a sign that God is working. But all of these things are the way Jesus promises to do things. And they are mysterious. They are marvelous. And they are sort of mundane. Uh, But they're mysterious and marvelous and beautiful. Why? Because this is how God has said he is going to bring about his work. But see, there's one other way 
in which God has chosen to work. For this, we need to go to the Gospel of St. John, uh, somewhere around the 21st chapter. This is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, he, he kind of went to the shore where his, he knew his disciples would be fishing. And, and there his disciples see this man on the shore and they decide to go into him. And Jesus utters them with some of my favorite words in all of the scriptures. He looks at his disciples and he says, come and have breakfast. <laughs> Be- beautiful words, really. C- come and be filled. And so he brings them and the disciples come. And then, then he sees Peter. You remember Peter, who only about three days before denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And he sees Peter and he says, Peter, let's have a talk for a minute. And I can imagine Peter was frightened. And he goes to Peter and he asks him the same question three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter answers, yes, yes, Lord, of course, I love you. And three times Jesus responds, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Show them that I love them. And so Peter and the disciples, they, they would go. After Jesus ascends, he would send them to every corner of the earth, and they would go, and they would go and baptize. They would go and gather people around the Lord's Supper. They would preach the word of God boldly and faithfully, and, and they would continue to do this for weeks. They would continue to do this for months. They would continue to do this for years. And and they would do this not only when it was safe and comfortable, but in the face of death. They would go to synagogues where people were were calling for their heads. They would go before, before peasants and before the powerful. They would go even to the point of death. And they would go bringing about God's work. And see, here's the thing. God continues to work the same way he worked in John 21. God continues to work the same way he worked in Matthew 14 when he fed 5,000 plus souls. And God continues to work through you and me in the same way today. Brothers and sisters in Christ's You are a means by which God brings about his work. You are the means about how God loves his creation. You are the means by how he brings about forgiveness. See, Martin Luther, the the, the reformer of which our church is named after from the 1500s, he had this thing about writing uh, wonderful words, and he was writing about this doctrine called vocation. We had that word in one of our hymns. It's kind of a theological word. It means kind of where you have been put in life. Whether you're a a father or a mother, whether you're a sibling, whether you're a child, whether you're a CEO or a garbage man, whether whether you're a surgeon or a nurse, whether you're you're, you're, you're in a a day laborer or blue collar or white collar, you have been put in this place for a purpose. And, And so when Luther is writing about vocation, he says this about every single Christian from little to tall to small and old. 
He says, you are little Christs. You are are miniature Jesuses. And it might sound a little strange, but, but the point he's getting at is that is that wherever you go, whoever you're with, to wherever you've been put, you do God's work. See, anytime you do your job, wherever it might be with, with dignity, and you do it well, and you do it lovingly and serving your neighbor, you do God's work. Any time you, you forgive someone, God is working. Any time that, that you, you obey your parents, children, I'm looking at you, God is working. Any time you, ser- you, 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 know, you serve or love your neighbor in any ways, from raking leaves to giving money to someone in need to cooking them a meal, God is working. Uh, to the moms and dads out there, anytime you change that diaper that's just been sitting there all night, God is working. Students, anytime you study hard for your tests and you do your homework and you obey your teachers, God is working. Anytime you say a prayer with a friend who's just down and they are in need of some lifting up. God is working. Anytime, any place, through a kind word, God is working. Because God works in simple things. Words shared with a friend, bread and wine, water. This is how God works. See, I know it would be nice sometimes if God would work in far more extravagant ways. I mean, how marvelously terrifying would it be if God assured us of his presence with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire here in our midst. How, how marvelous would it, would it be to hear his voice shake the foundations of the earth? How, how magnificent would it be if he sent a heavenly host here to, to bring tidings of good news and great joy? How marvelous would it be? But how marvelous is this? How marvelous is it that every time we gather here in this place, God does exactly what he's promised to God comes here and performs mighty works through ordinary things in his word and in his means. Every baptism is a mighty work of God. Every person partaking in the body and blood of Christ here at this table, at this supper, is a mighty work of God. Every prayer shared is a mighty work of God. Brothers and sisters, God works in his mighty word and his subpar means. So do not try to find God's work in places he has not promised to be. You won't find him and you'll leave lacking. 
Do not look for signs in palm readings or the stars or in tarot cards. Do not depend upon dreams or mediums to guide you in your path. Do not strive to decode or decipher the times and the events that that, that show us the end of the world. And and be watchful of modern-day prophets who claim to receive their their messages directly from God. And, And don't depend on just your feelings. But instead, look to where God has promised to be. Look to where he has promised to work. Look to his word. Look to your baptism. Look to his body and blood and bread and wine, because there you will find all you need to know. There you will find the answer to the question, how does God work? And the work he has done for you and for me. There you will find forgiveness. There you will find proof of his love for you. And there you will find eternal life and salvation. So how does God work? Now you know. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.